What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. First things first, patreon.com slash kind of neat. Yeah, bitch, we asked for money at the beginning. I read your fucking stupid ass comments. I don't care that you're saying like, oh, this motherfucker asked for money right at the beginning of the show. You know what? I do. You know why? YouTube don't pay shit. So if you like this stuff, pledge a dollar. Pledge a dollar an episode. That's all I'm asking for. Only if you're a weekly listener. If you're a first time listener and you're going, why does he ask for money at the beginning? Just be quiet. Go listen to previous episodes. Thank me later. All right, guys, we're back. Lots of stuff has been happening in my life. Relatively boring, but also kind of exciting and just, I don't know. I feel like I'm always busy, yet somehow I'm like sitting around my house most of the day, and I don't really know how that works out. I think the fact that I feel so busy all the time leads to like, crippling anxiety which leads me to like sit on the couch and watch the challenge for two more episodes per day than I actually should shout out to MTV's the challenge highbrow lowbrow baby we out here but a momentous week happened in my life that was like very disheartening but that now that I'm removed a couple weeks from it I have some more perspective on it and I don't feel quite as bad as I did but My girl and I tried to adopt a dog, and if you follow me on Instagram and shit, you might have seen some posts about this dog, and I tried to keep it low-key and not do, like, not put him all over the socials and shit, because I I didn't know what was going to happen. I had kind of a feeling that it might not work out, and that is some foreshadowing. So, we had been thinking about adopting another dog for quite a while, and both of us are dog owners on and off throughout our life. Of course, we have Kennedy right now, who is sometimes in the studio. You guys may have heard her bark last episode and seen her in some pictures. She's an old eight-year-old Cocker Spaniel, and she's she's my little sweetheart. No, but I mean, you know, I love that dog. And, you know, I've been living with her now for two years, and so that feels like my dog just as much as it feels like her dog, and I care about that dog. And um, in my heart of hearts, I was kind of like, Having another dog is a big fucking responsibility that I don't know if I'm cut out for or not because I'm the one that's home the most, you know. My SO has a job and she she works and she's at work all day and stuff. And so I have to watch the dog when she's not at work. And so watching another dog I knew was going to be a lot of work. But she started showing me videos of this dog and we started to really like it uh, just from watching the videos. And we had this kind of like idealized version in our head of what would go down about, you know, him coming out of his shell and being this good dog that would lay on the couch and sleep in the bed with us and et cetera, et cetera. And it was an adult pit bull. It was about two, two and a half years old or so. He had been in the shelter for a few, like probably four or five months. And he was having some issues where like they had him inside first. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to a dog shelter, but it is horrendously sad. If you are an emotional person or sensitive, like, avoid it. It's bad for your mental health. It's so fucking sad. It's just like puppy prison. It's And it's just loud. The dogs bark so much. Like, it's very distracting even for me. So I can't imagine for a dog with, like, super sensitive hearing how, how like, loud and torturous it must be to just be in there going crazy listening to all these other dogs bark. So this dog was kind of... Um, had some behavioral flags because he was like kind of 
not doing well inside. So they moved him to an outside kennel and he started doing a little better. And then one of the trainer volunteers there, like, really took a liking to him and started posting a lot of videos. And we're like, well, you know, that dog looks sweet and that dog looks smart. It knew how to sit and shake and it didn't, you know, it just seemed quiet and sweet. And so we went and saw him and, uh, man, he was so skinny in real life. Like, it was uh, so disheartening. Like, all of his bones and ribs and hips were showing and shit and you know the trainer lady met us there and brought him into a little play area and we and he immediately just like leaned into my lap and put his head in my lap and just like sat there and let me pet him for like forever and oh my god I started just bawling crying and my girl was crying and you know it was like this moment it felt like this very genuine moment of like man we're about to like really do something good here and this dog needs us and we're going to rescue him and you know but I had a job in the bay that week so I was like all right well we can't get him this week because neither of us are going to be home and this dog is going to need a lot of like crate training and decompression and all this stuff like we have we had been preparing ourselves for a long time we'd been doing the research we'd been doing the reading we'd been we bought all the stuff we had we had a crate for him. We had a bed for him. We had toys and bowls and food and all this shit. Like, we thought that we were prepared, you know? And, um, you know, our main worry was, like, does he have any aggression towards other dogs? And so the trainer was going to, like, walk him with another dog and see how he did. And she sent us videos. And there was, like, a little, I don't know. I watched it and I thought I saw something. But she's like, no, he was good. And I don't know. I was kind of like, you know, me, this is a big responsibility. Like, do you think we should do this? And we had a big conversation about it, and we decided, like, okay, yeah, we're going to get the dog. So when I got back from the bay, the next day we went and rescued the dog. And we brought him home, and we just kind of, you know, when you rescue an adult dog, you're supposed to just take him home and let him sit in a crate basically almost all day to just kind of to let him decompress because they've basically, they have, like, puppy PTSD, you know what I'm saying? And so he was doing fine. You know, he was in his crate. He wasn't upset to be in there. He wasn't pawing his way out or anything and was already pretty much housebroken. Like we would take him out and he would do his business and didn't have any accidents in the house. And when I would, you know, bring him back in, I would have him on the leash and take him back into the crate. And Kennedy was kind of, she's usually pretty aloof to other dogs. Like she's lived with other dogs throughout her life, but they were always dogs that she was introduced to when they were puppies. And so she pretty instantly was not happy about this dog in the house and was avoiding contact, you know, most of the time, which is fine and which is what we wanted. But then, like, sometimes she would get a little iffy about him and start to growl and stuff like that. But he was, like, good about not paying attention and in the brief moments when they were out at the same time, you know. And then there were even times, like, I took them on a walk together and they were fine. You know what I mean? Like, we intro- we did all the steps. We did the steps introduce him in a neutral place da, 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 all this crap like I'm not fucking Cesar Milan you know what I'm saying but I like thought that I was prepared enough to do this so anyway long story short he started doing some weird shit where like she wasn't even close to him but he we would have him eat in, in the crate and in his crate and then he would show like wild food aggression like if she was even in the same room and we we're like oh that's weird and but he never did it outside of his crate. And then, I don't know, long story short, the last night that he was that he was there, I had him on a leash. I had him out of the crate for just a few minutes. And as I was about to take him back, 
Kennedy kind of growled at him and took a little nip at him. And he like cocked his head and looked at her. And then it was just full on like scrap. And thankfully I was right there and was able to break it up. And it was so fucking scary. I was like, holy shit. Like I really thought that my dog was about to get killed. And, you know, as soon as I got in there, he, he stopped and it was broken up. I didn't get bit. Nothing was wrong. I mean, it shit was wrong, obviously. I was like, holy fuck. And I was like, yep, nope, that's it. And I got him back in the crate and he went, I mean, he went right in and it's like, he kind of knew already that he was, that he fucked up or that it was fucked up. I mean, really it's our fault. Like I fucked up, like I fucked up. I, it was not the dog's fault. It's my fault. Like I wasn't on my shit. They shouldn't have been that close to each other, whatever, whatever. Like I know, but you know, he slept facing the wall the whole night and I slept on the couch, like feeling hella guilty, knowing that I was going to have to take the dog back because it was not going to work out because Kennedy uh, was never going to take to him. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. Me is bawling her eyes out. We're just so fucking sad. And you know, the whole night we're just like going back and forth about it. Like, what should we do? Should we give it a couple more days? Da, 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 this and that. And we decided like, nah, we couldn't like, I just, I didn't think it was ever going to be safe in the house for both of them. And I don't want to lead a lifestyle where, where my life revolves around like keeping two dogs away from each other. I don't want to have to crate both dogs like 24 hours a day and fucking let them out one at a time. Like that's just not the lifestyle that I'm looking for. And, and I didn't think that that's what it was going to be. And so anyway, we took it back and it was so fucking sad and there's so much shame and guilt and, disappointment and failure tied into it all of like returning a dog to a shelter. They were cool about it. Like they didn't shame us or anything. And honestly, I think some of the ladies there like were expecting it. Cause I think like he had, I think this dog had perhaps like lashed out at people there. And there were a couple of um, people that worked there that were a little like iffy about him or afraid of him even perhaps. I didn't see any of that human aggression. He was nothing but a sweetheart to us. And man, I'll tell you, even after only being in the house for six days, like I fucking felt miserable. I had to take the Wednesday that we returned him off to just like, that's why I put out the podcast. The last podcast, I put it out a day late because I was supposed to be putting it out on a Wednesday and we took him back on a Wednesday morning. And like, I got so depressed that I just had to kind of like decompress on a couch the whole day. Like I felt like shit. And in reading stuff online, it just kind of made me feel more like shit. Cause like, it was kind of like, Oh yeah, don't like, if you're taking the dog back to the shelter, like it's your fault. Like you fucked up. Da, 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 da. And then in talking to like some of my friends and my brain trust, they're just kind of like, I talked to a lot of people that have, that have taken in adult dogs and all of them, everyone that I talked to, it ended badly. You know, like life is not a Facebook video. Life is not a viral fucking Instagram video where, every dog that you save is not going to like come out of a shell and be this like perfect fucking best friend. Like some of them, the previous owners have messed them up, you know, or the kennel has messed them up. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Or like, you're just not prepared. Like, like I said, I'm not fucking Cesar Milan. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what it would entail, I guess. And I don't know. We tried to take him back as quick enough to like not fuck his life up more than it was already getting fucked up. But I know that like, in taking him home and confusing him more and then taking him back and being back in the same place, like it probably fucked him up worse. And I will always feel terrible about that. But at the same time, like, you know, you got to make the right choice for your life and for the safety of other loved ones in the house. 
And um, like I was saying, in talking to my brain trust, a lot of people that have dealt with these adult dogs, like they all ended poorly where like they ended up biting someone for no reason or they ended up, you know, one of them fucking jumped out of a two story window for no reason or so I, I don't know. A lot of my friends were kind of like, yo, man, don't beat yourself up about this. Like, you fucked up. Yeah, like, your heart was bigger than your head. But, like, you made the right decision and the mature decision in not, like, trying to make it work. And then somebody ending up getting bit or or getting fucked up. And, and a dog like that that is a pit bull that, that has been in a kennel for so long and had abandonment issues and clearly, like, had an owner before who ditched him for some reason or another. Because he already knew, like, sit and shake and shit like that. That's a dog, unfortunately, that will probably never be able to go to a dog park and, and you know, you'd always have to watch them around kids and whatever. Like, I'm trying to justify it in my head now, I guess. But uh, point is, we ended up taking it back and it was very fucking sad. And that's what happened in my last week or so. And it, it sucked, man. It was really shitty. But that said, if you ever end up adopting an adult dog and you have to take him back, hey, man. It happens to the best of us, and you just got to keep it moving, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure that I will get some hate responses about this, but I had to make a choice that would fit my lifestyle, and that is what happened. And I think that I've decided that uh, in the future, uh, if I do rescue, I will always rescue a dog. Don't get me wrong. I will never pay like thousands of dollars for a dog, but I think I'm going to have to rescue a very young dog so that, you know. I can train him from a puppy and not try to fix someone else's mistakes because I'm not that good of a dog trainer. Okay, that's the end of that story. That said, this week on the podcast, we have a talented songwriter, singer, and I found a drummer, I didn't know that, who I've been hearing of for a couple of years, for a few years, and she just kind of popped back up on the scene with some new songs, and one in particular that I really love called Blinders, and her name is Fem, P-H-E-M. She's worked in the past with some friends and even has a song with G-Eazy, and she's very talented, and I think she's super cool. And so, um, yeah, I think that this will be, like, the first time a lot of you guys hear of her, but I hope this will be a gateway into you know, a lot more people hearing about her because I think she deserves it. She's a very talented musician, comes from a long line of musicians. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with them. Fem, here we are. It is me and you, and we are here. And I tried to get you on this show a long time ago, and it didn't work out. Tell me about your, tell me about your journey into finding yourself as an artist, because have you maybe been through a few iterations? Oh yeah, definitely. Can we talk about those? Yeah. Let's hear about it. Okay. Let's talk about your music journey first. So basically, I started out playing drums from a very young age, oh, and shit. was a drummer for many bands. How'd you pick up drums? My father is a drummer. Really? Mm-hmm. Is your dad famous? No. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> but um, grew up playing jazz, so like very heavy on the jazz, and then classical piano too. Wow. But um, so I did drums for a long time for other people. Like drums were just laying around your house as a kid, and you just started like banging on them, and then picked it up, or or did he like? Kind you of. are taking drum lessons now. I like came to him, and I was like, hey, like. 
you like play drums like why don't I also play like yeah. it was second nature I just always had music in the house yeah and then it just clicked at like 12 I was like I want to do something like other than just like hang out with my friends you know that's tight so and my mom she's a classical piano player so she was having me do piano and I was like if I do drums like can I stop doing piano and she was like really mad but let me <laughs> so that's not a bad trade-off though yeah that's amazing so you have music on both sides of the family yeah that's pretty unique for all the Artists that I talk to on this show, not very many of them have music on both sides. Hmm. So that's already like kind of a rarity. Here we are off to a start. Yeah. Did your dad play in a lot of bands or was he a session musician or? He was a session guy. Mm. Um, and then he'd do like a lot of gigs, like weddings and things like mm. that. Um, he wasn't home a lot because all those gigs are at night mm -hmm. and on the weekends. So he missed a lot of holidays and things like that. Mm. But um Jazz mostly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nothing like cool. <laughs> no, it so, but he could like cool. play all the standards. Like he could go to a wedding and just crush everyone. Yeah. yeah. And then he switched to vibraphone. What's that? It's like a metal version of a xylophone. Oh. So super cool also. One time in sixth grade, there was this girl, Joy, who I was very close friends with. And she didn't come to our music class. She, like, stopped coming to our music class all of a sudden. And then when we had that big, like, concert that you have to have where everybody stands on the those like bleacher things and you sing to all the parents that come she came out and like killed a vibraphone so i thought it was just a xylophone but it's so a vibraphone cool. and she just like crushed it like i'm talking like two mallets in each hand and shit oh, yeah. killed it and we're like what the fuck and she's like yeah like when i haven't been i haven't been going to music class because like the music teacher's been teaching me this shit on the side damn she just came and blew everybody away so your dad used to do that oh yeah Rip, that, ripping it up really? every night practicing yeah. obsessive really yeah. Yeah. Is your dad like a very focused, obsessive mind or what? Yeah. Was he hard to break through on an emotional level? Totally. Like very, um, very like obsessive to a fault, like almost like on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like but high like, functioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, so I grew up like listening, you know, to him practice and like falling asleep to him. Hmm. Just killing it. <laughs> was, was music his way of like relating to you? You know, I'll never be like as good as him. Yeah. And so, um, kind of for a moment we had it and then it kind of slipped away because I decided I wasn't gonna try to like pursue jazz forever right it's a dark road dude like there's no money in it and it's such a small like one percent that like actually get to do that thing right so yeah but that, like we had a moment <laughs> right right yeah. that's very, that's very true at the same time when you're as much of a instrumental master or then you have that mastery of, of a instrument the way that jazz musicians do there's always like a, a job somewhere for you or a gig right. somewhere you know what I mean that's true yeah. that is true it's, but but yeah the chances of like being a lead man yeah at that it, point. it took it would take it would have taken like every day of my life in a practice room right and also just like like I feel like the whole jazz mentality is like you're never good enough. Like people just beat beat themselves up forever. Totally, it's like part of it, you know. Yeah. So I just decided I was like, this is so fun, and like a part of me could definitely see myself doing this. But like I want to live a happy life and like right. a balanced life. So. So if your dad was a jazz musician, but your mom was a classically trained pianist, mm -hmm. was her approach to piano a little more laid back than your dad's approach to drums, or what? Um, or was she equally no, obsessive? She, she, well, she kind of like gave it up slightly to like have a family yeah. and like he kept doing it. Um, but with us, she was very strict like about practicing. And so like we would fight a lot. So I was just mm. like, man, this is like sucks, you know? Yeah. I'd rather like 
play the drums. But um, yeah, so she sacrificed a lot so he could, you know. Yeah. How did they meet? Um, they met super young at like a party. He was playing, like he was super well known in his hometown. They're from Philadelphia. My family is from Pennsylvania. Really? Yeah. That's so my, tight. My mom's from Easton. You know Easton? It's like near the Jersey border, about yep. an hour away from Philly maybe. Cool. Yeah. Crazy. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I still have family in Philadelphia. Tight. Yeah. It's a good vibe. Um, but yeah, they met like super young. First, no shit. First loves type vibe. Like, yeah, yeah. Teenage romance yeah. and all that. No mm-hmm. shit. And did they stay together? Yeah. Wow, They're still. still together. Uh, they, they still live in Philadelphia? Where no, they, they live here. Yeah, oh. they live in L.A. So were you born in L.A.? Mm-hmm. They, they moved out here to do music together. Really? Yeah. Were they ever like a group as a couple? Mm-hmm. That's what it was? Yeah. Oh, wow. Were they good? <laughs> I mean, not, not were they good. That sounds stupid. But like, did they like record music? Have you heard their work together type of thing? I have, but yeah. like they came out here maybe in their late 20s. So like it was, it was hard for them. They right. didn't know anyone. Yeah. Like, they never had help or... So, it didn't work out for them like right. that. Right. It rarely does out here yeah. for anyone. Yeah. But <laughs> if you move out here and have kids and then you teach them what you do, then they got a jump start because then they, you talk to somebody like me and I'm like, oh, you're a second generation musician. Yeah. You're going to make it. <laughs> no. I mean, you know. Yeah. You, you'd hope so. I feel like my parents, like, they left a lot back home, so yeah. I should try to do my best to make it work. Did you did you guys travel back to the East Coast a lot to visit, like, grandparents and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I you- love it there because people are real mm-hmm. and way just more, I don't know, it's more like a family vibe than in L.A. So you guys grew up Catholic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Irish or Italian? Italian. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I grew up very Roman Catholic because of my mom. Nice. My dad doesn't give a fuck about religion. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So or is your mom more heavy on the religion than your dad or what? You know, neither of them were really like heavy on it. Yeah. But we went to Catholic school. Did you? All girls. Really? How was that? It was awful. <laughs> really? Is this like in the valley or where were you at? So this was, I went to Catholic school in the valley and then also in, wow, we're getting like real detailed. Yeah, um, go, I mean, we, we take it back. We, we go all the um, way back. In Los Feliz, all Immaculate Heart. It's all girls Catholic school. And were you busing or did, where did you guys, like what part of LA did you grow up in? I think Val- that's the valley. Oh, okay. So you were yeah. busing all the way to Los Feliz? Mm-hmm. That's and then far. For high school, it was either between, I would either get into Immaculate Heart the, again yeah. for the high school or LOXA, LA County High School for the Arts. Oh. So I was like, fuck, I need to get in there because that was my, my two options. Yeah. And I got into LOXA. So that was the best fucking. Is that is that kind of like um what's the one on the west side Hamilton not Hamilton yeah it was it was a rival school of Hamilton oh okay very arts based yeah super good school because Hamilton's like where all the jazz musicians Mm -hmm. go to on the west side so Loxa is like that for the east side it was downtown but yeah it's downtown it was like I mean Haim went there Empress of like a bunch of people yeah have gone to do great things. And is that something where you had to like do auditions Mm -hmm. and tryouts and all that stuff? Really intense audition process. What what was your auditions like? Um, You know, you had to like know standards. You had to know how to solo. It was fucking scary, dude. It was nerve-wracking. And so you did that for piano or for drums? For drums. Oh, wow. So you're like legit, legit. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of winged it always. Then where did you go to college then? For USC? Um, no, I went to UC Santa Cruz. 
Oh, went up north. But then I left and came back and finished up here. Um, just, you know, basic stuff. Because yeah, I, yeah. I was already playing music by that point. And it yeah. was, was popping, so I had to come back to L.A. Okay. Yeah. Let's take it back, man. You, <laughs> born, in, born in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the Valley gets a bad rap in L.A.? Dude, I love the valley. Here's the thing is that being, uh, you know, I grew up in Alaska. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, so that's another thing. Wow. And, and the only reference that I had to the valley growing up was that scene in Clueless where they're like, and then he made me drive him home to the valley. Ew, I hate going to the valley. <laughs> I never really understood why I got a bad rap. Now I kind of get it. It's because it's like a sprawling suburb. Right. But like, tell me about what it's like growing up adjacent to this big metropolis, but kind of in the burbs of it. Um. So I was fortunate my parents sent me to different schools, but like the kids that grow up in the valley and go to school in the valley, you basically are in like a bubble of like safe. It's like a safe bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's not like a lot going on out there, but I found plenty to do. Like you just like smoke hookah at your friend's house and like, you know, skateboard and just like fuck around. Yeah. I love the valley though. Smoke hookah. Yeah, dude. Just smoke hookah or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) More than that. But like. I had a hookah at my house, so everyone was, like, always there. <laughs> like, with flavored tobacco or what? Yeah, and my parents didn't know that it was tobacco. <laughs> so they're like, okay, cool, like, do whatever. Like, what are you smoking? And we're just like, oh, it's just, like, flavored stuff. Mm-hmm. So we legit were, like, smoking tobacco at, like, 12 years old. And they're like, that's tobacco? We thought it was heroin. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Nicotine's bad for you. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Wow. Uh, my parents definitely would not have let me smoke anything when I, know, I was 12. It's, it's weird, actually. Looking back, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Your parents, maybe dad is on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, dude. Um, what else were you into as a kid besides music? Anything? Were you a drawer? No, dude. It no. was it was all it was all drums yeah, all the time. Really? Yeah. And like, who were your guys then? Like, who who inspired you? Um, I listened to a lot of punk in middle school, um, a lot of Coheed, yeah. Mars Volta. Um, punk drummers are really good, right? Because they're like, they play fast? or they, is yeah. That, yeah, they're good. They're great. Yeah. Um, the Clash. There you go. Some Ska. I was really into like... There's a big wave of that in the yeah. valley. Um, and then, yeah, just jazz, like just to, because I needed to for school. Yeah. But all sorts of stuff. I love, I just love playing music. How many hours a day would you practice the drums as a 12-year-old? 12, not as many, but yeah. like getting into high school more, I would come home and I'd just shed for hours. Really? Yeah. That's like my favorite term. If you guys are just tuning in or <laughs> new to this show, shedding is when you lock yourself up in a room and learn an instrument. I love that term. Okay. Yeah. So you just shed for hours and hours every night and the drums, like they're a loud instrument. Your parents mm-hmm. wouldn't get annoyed because your dad is obviously a drummer. I mean, the neighbors would complain sometimes, but we we would put foam on the windows in the garage or something. Or what? Um, upstairs, we had like a upstairs room, like mm-hmm. a music room, mm-hmm. and just put foam on the. I mean, you know, like the cops would sometimes roll by, and we'd like my mom be like, "I saw a cop roll by, you better stop." No shit. <laughs> but no one ever really did anything. Yeah. Did you study anything else? Like, were you into other subjects? Like, would your mom be like, oh, do your fucking social studies homework? Or was she just like, keep practicing drums? I mean, you know, at that time, LOXA, the high school I went to, it was a very arts-based high school. So it was like, that's what kids would do. They'd just talk about music or whatever they were doing. Um, no, I was literally just, like, obsessed with with jazz and drumming and, you know. No shit. T- teenage shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> when um, you are as well studied at an instrument as that and you're going to a school full of kids that are also studying instruments, does music become a competition of sorts? Totally. Yeah. And does that take away from it at all? Or did that, did that increase your passion for it? Um, at the time, it really increased it because yeah. like at your lunch break kids would be like all right see i'm going to the practice room like literally like all the time that they had that was yeah. free time they'd go practice um but like it kind of was sad and like dark sometimes because i was shy and like also the only girl one of the only girls playing drums right so i felt like sometimes the guys would make fun of me or like purposely like not have me in the group or even teachers were kind of fucking weird sometimes really yeah i remember like yeah drums always kind of come off as like this masculine boys club or something huh yeah very boys club. i mean i was in band in fifth grade but the only people that wanted to play the drums were boys yeah you know um i played the baritone <laughs> <laughs> that's tight yeah. that takes a lot of oxygen uh, you know, I, one thing I got is lungs. <laughs> Talk all day. So you're getting, like, kept out of the boys club, kind of? Yeah, I felt it, you know? Yeah. Did it, did the boys th- thereby feel like a little bunch of, like, gossipy bitches, kind of? Kind of. Like, yeah. I'd walk into a room, and I'd know, like, I couldn't—I wasn't, like, able to hang there, you know? Yeah. But I also was, like—it was my own thing I had to get over, too. Mm-hmm. Just be like, well, I'm here, and I practice, so mm-hmm. I'm going to play, you know? And so in a high school like that— how does it work? Or do, do people get split up into like a bunch of little bands or something? Like mm-hmm. combos, you had to audition for uh, yeah. the combos. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was your band like? Did you have um, your people? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I wasn't in like the best band. I, I I got in like you know a decent one, but the teachers were cool. I just felt like everyone kind of had like an arrogance to them a bit. That's like the jazz thing in general. Yeah. And you just kind of had to like stand your ground and do what you needed to do, but. Yeah, it was it was fun though. At the end of the day, like everyone had a blast, and yeah. and like life was more about something more than just like what life is about, you know. What is life about? <laughs> Tell me what life's about. I don't know. Besides drumming, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. But all right, I, I feel like we've painted a very singular picture of you as just like this this woman that only drummed in high school. But I'm sure you had to be doing more things than that or other things. So what other secret passions did you have that your PR person would tell you not to talk about? <laughs> talk about? Like, OK, so like I had a group of friends who would like, you know, film like little skits and stuff like yeah. I, I like to like like jackass or something yeah, yeah exactly totally dude. that we, was a big thing in the early 2000s my brother was into that kind of shit yeah so what, what would you guys do just like i don't know like make up random little skits and like film it during class when we shouldn't probably be in class and then like what else would i do I well, tell me about some of the skits <laughs> tell me about the funniest we'd skit. like go into the library and like I don't know, dude. I'm trying to think. One time they like stuffed me in a locker and like I was like trying to pretend to get out of it. It was just stupid shit. I don't know. What do you do when you're a teenager? I don't know. Uh, so I used to smoke a lot of weed and yeah, try to like make out with every girl in my high school. And other than that, that was it. Damn, that sounds fun. It was a very small high school. It was a very small high school. So it was easier. Um, I mean, we definitely smoked a lot of weed. Yeah. And hookah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, did you get a car right at 16? No, I didn't get a car until, like, after high school. Really? So, when you were starting to get to that age of being curious about the rest of the world, were you able to, like, cross the 101 and, and, like, 
get yeah. past the Getty Museum and, and come into the city and see the the bright lights and the shows and everything? Yeah, for jazz stuff. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for like the Mint had like a a gig or a, a Monday night jam. You could yeah. go and watch people or sign up if you wanted to. Would you sign up? Uh, I think I did it once, but I probably almost passed out. It, really? I was just like not at that caliber. Stage fright or what? Did you have? I mean, stage all those guys are just so good. Yeah, and I was like, you know. No, I knew I didn't want to do that forever, so mm. it was just it was fun, but um, yeah. And then I, and then I just started playing in bands that were not jazz, and so I was going out all the time, driving, sneaking into clubs, having to play shows. What know. kind of bands were you in that weren't jazz? Punk rock, rock. Yeah. yeah, a lot of rock, some punk. I was in a bossa nova band for a while. Oh wow, uh, some folk stuff. Yeah. I got into all sorts of shit. I didn't know I was good at drums until I started playing in non-jazz bands. <laughs> right, because you thought maybe I'm just memorizing all this stuff or something, or what? Well, to the jazz guys, I was like, shit. But yeah. to like normal people who aren't obsessive about things, they right. were like, oh, wow, you're actually a good drummer. Right. I was like, oh, this is tight. I can do this, you know? Right. You see so many people that like join a band, they're like, yeah, I play drums, and all they know is like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you probably <laughs> had the crazy fills and everything. People were just like, holy fuck. I guess. I don't know. It was tight. Yeah. All, the, all the everyone wanted to play with me when I wasn't playing jazz. Right, that's dope. So, what was your favorite band of the ones that you joined? Um, probably the Bossa Nova one. I got to play Brushes, and so I was able to incorporate some stuff. But um, I was played, it original Bossa Nova music, or are you guys playing like Antonio also, Carlos Jobim covers and shit? You know, they tried to write some originals, and they were decent. Um, but like lots of covers too. Did I say his name right? Jovim, Yeah. Is that a that's that's the that's guy's the dude. Name? That's the go. dude. <laughs> Your boy knows genres. <laughs> How long ago was that? Long time ago. Yeah, it was. It was a good amount. Because I, I know you through. Well, I don't know. I, this is my first time ever meeting you, but I started hearing your name through like cool kid circles. You know what I mean? Of like beat scene people, yeah, and various indie rappers, and you know, right. You were working with. Um, I feel like Dream Panther, mm -hmm. right? So around that time, also after high school, I was going to low end like every Wednesday. Yeah. That was like my thing. I okay. was like always up in that shit. Yeah, I same. Yeah. It was a long time ago for me, though. I stopped a couple years ago, a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Did, I, did you ever see me there? I think so. Huh. I think, yeah, I think so. But that shit opened the door to like life. That's you a know? big scene. Yeah. That was a big scene. There's a lot going on there in the like... Like around 2010 ish or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right? It was popping. It yeah, was popping. Super. Um, so what did it open the? What did it open up to you? I mean, I just realized, like, you know, I wanted to like play drums for that kind of shit, and it got me really into hip hop, and then it got me into like writing. Like, I just would randomly be like writing hooks for people, and like, yeah, I don't know. It was just tight. Like, I was obsessed with that then. Yeah. And also, like, just like Flylo, for example, like, very rooted in jazz, but, like, able to, like, manipulate it to, like, his own thing. Right. And that really spoke to me. Mm hmm So I was like, I want to do that, you know? In what capacity did you want to do that? Like, did you go home and, like, download Ableton and start making beats? Kind of, yeah. Like, mostly on Logic. And I just was like, I just want to make music. Like, I was down to play drums, but, like, there was something deeper in me that was like, you need to make your own shit. Right. So, um, and, like, I did. I, was, I, like, was not good at it. But then I started Lefemra. Yeah. And just kind of, like, made it up as I went along. <laughs> oh, was it Lefemra with an L in front? 
Lefemra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always thought it was just F. Oh, okay, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I've been saying ephemera, like ephemera is the actual word, mm-hmm. right? And then lefemra was just like you're a freak on it. Yep. Okay, so tell me about that project because that is how I was first introduced to you as a vocalist was under the guise of lefemra. Yeah, so I started a band. I had like a few guys with me and um, it was tight. I got to play drums and sing. Okay. And then um, I did that for a while. It was really fun. Nice. Um, I didn't know that you were doing... I didn't know that you were playing drums and singing. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. So you remind me so much of, like, my cousin. It's tight. (laughs) From Philadelphia or what? Yeah. (laughs) It's a certain energy. (laughs) (laughs) He must be a very handsome man. That's what that is. He's tight. He's cool. (laughs) And so Lefemra starts playing out at shows or what yeah we like so quick we're just like on shows and i think also because people knew me as a drummer yeah. i was playing in a lot of bands at the time right so they were like oh live from this band or that band and so we were able to get on a lot of bills yeah and kind of like blew up not blew up but like in la we were talked about i guess right what um kind of gigs did you guys start getting the Echo, like I remember our first gig was like at the Echo yeah. or some shit. Like Were you like Echoplex. opening for people? Was that the was that the move back then? Um, yeah, lots of opening and then like just like whatever festivals that were curated in LA yeah. to showcase like LA bands. I feel like people don't grind by like opening up for other people anymore. Don't you do you remember like yeah. that was like such a thing back then. It was like Yo, I'm like out here hustling because I'm like opening for this band and opening for this band and getting yeah. my name out. And now people are just like, oh man, I got a 10 gazillion streams on SoundCloud and right, I never right. have to open for anyone. That's so true. Right? Yeah, you're right. That, I mean, less work. Less work. It is less work. <laughs> but then again, you don't get your chops up. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And it sounds like one thing you definitely have gotten is your chops up. Like, uh, you got a lot of chops, I'm sure. Right? <laughs> we'll see, dude. Yeah. Um, so, were you singing even as a little girl, or is that something that you had to, like, force yourself to do or learn? Like, I had to force myself. Yeah. It was very hard, but I just did it. In what sense? Like, did you approach it as obsessively as you did with drums and as competitively as you did with drums, or was it a more personal and spiritual thing for you? Well, you know, I early on, like No Can Do and all these people, they'd have yeah. me sing hooks and stuff. And they always commented on how my voice sounded really cool the way it was. And I was like, really? I don't really know like how to sing. Um, so I didn't want to touch it too much. I mean, I've definitely taken like maybe a handful of lessons just to learn how to breathe. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a singer. Mm-hmm. like, And I'm okay with that because I feel like that's my ticket right now. Like people fuck with the way my voice sounds. So I don't want to like mess with it too much. Um and I noticed I would go take a vocal lesson and it'd be good, but then we get to a certain point and they try to like change my tone. Uh, and so I'd be like, fuck, all right, I gotta go. I don't get to talk tech too much, so I don't even know what that means, like changing your tone. Like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, there's something called like the buzz tone. Yeah. That's like, I guess, a lot of pop vocalists have uh-huh. where it's undeniable um, and like producers or like certain people can recognize it immediately. Yeah. But, I don't have that, I guess, and that's uh, fine, but a lot of people don't. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I'm sure that if you pointed it out to me in a song, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that, okay, I get it. Yeah. So they were trying to, like, force you to use a different tone than comes instinctually to you. Yeah, and, like, I heard that if you can do that, then you can get back to your own aesthetic, uh-huh. but, like, 
I don't know. It scares me, you know? Right. Because you don't want to fix something that's not broken. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It just, I don't want to be like the best singer in the world. That's not my goal. I'm a right. writer. I'm more like a writer vibe. Yeah. I pick up on that. Like you, your songwriting is strong and it's very unique, I would say. And I think your vocal tone is unique. Yeah. Right. Because it's kind of, I don't know. I'm just going to like mansplain how you sing for some reason i don't know why. but no like uh you have like a, a folksy vibe over like electronic pop music you know what i'm saying like you have a conversational songwriting style not that different from you know maybe like a kimia dawson or, or tracy chapman or something but over this like kind of buzzy um um like electro pop mm-hmm. right yeah yeah Definitely. Okay, cool. Okay, that that was my layman exp- uh, like explanation for the listeners who haven't heard Femme yet. Okay, why the recent like rebranding? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so the band was fine, whatever, doing good. And then, you know, I just kind of hit a wall and I ended up going through some shit like emotionally, just mentally. I, like, I don't know. I like hid for a while. And... During, you know, the last, I'd say, like, couple years, I was getting hit up a lot to top line for other people, write hooks and such, like, for rappers, more mainstream stuff. And um, the band was was doing okay, but I realized that I needed to, like, step out and do my own thing. Like, every sign was pointing that way. And it was sad, but um, I knew I needed to do it. So I changed the name. All right. A few things to unpack. First thing, top line. That mm-hmm. means, what does that mean? Like writing lead melodies? Like a chorus. A chorus. Yeah. Okay. So you ha- so you already, um, people recognize your penchant for writing catchy melodies? I was getting asked to do just sessions with me to write <clears throat> just melodies or choruses. Yeah. So does that mean like labels were picking up on you as a talent? Yeah, definitely labels, but also more so producers. Like producers would be like, hey, come in. I have a beat. Can you lay down a top line? And then they'd send it to whoever. Right, right. That's like the songwriting process today. It's like have somebody come in, write a hook, try try to sell it to a rapper. Exactly. That's why all of Eminem's albums sound that way now, right? (laughs) Yeah, dude, for sure. It's like, wait, what? Uh, And then the other thing is I didn't even realize – so in knowing La Femra from hearing – um, you sing hooks and stuff. I didn't even realize it was a band. Mm. Um, and so for, to hear like that, the band's broken up for one, uh, heartbroken already. <laughs> but for two, like, are you still cool with all those guys? Yeah, okay. I love them. They're like my family. Was it a rotating um, door? Was it a rotating like uh, lineup of musicians or was it like in a the solid be- In the beginning, I yeah. definitely. But like then it was just the three of us, Miles, yeah. Chris and Trey. Okay. And, and me, yeah. Yeah, and um, what did everybody play in the band? You played drums and sang, and then yeah, what did Yeah, I had another Trey drummer, Chris, and then Trey was guitar and, like, definitely helped produce some sounds, yeah. and then Miles played bass. And so where would you guys record at? Because recording a li- live band is, like, so such more of a hassle than just, like, tinkering on a computer. Yeah, um, we had a few studios we rented out, um, and then we also built our own studio, which I still have in Mid-City, like and Crenshaw so District. No, oh, wow. So did you learn how to, like— engineer and everything or did you guys have engineers coming in yeah and trey would do that trey was like our engineer and then sometimes we'd have other people help but trey was like my right hand for sure and he he could make the drum sound alive or what yeah he's on it dude if you ever need a good engineer because drums are the hardest thing to like record yeah is that accurate very true 
Yeah, and and like when you don't have a good drum recording, it, that's the difference between a band sounding professional and sounding amateur as fuck, right? Totally. Cool. Yeah, Trey's the man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, so you disappeared for a while. Do you want to talk anything about the emotional stuff that was going on that made you feel like you had to hide, or should I dance around that? We can talk about it. I think um, it's important. What happened? So basically, yeah, I mean, it just felt like I was hitting a wall with the band. Like I said, we have we had a studio in Mid City. Creatively or like- creatively, I was dealing a lot of a lot of things were coming up, like with my family, and then um, just like my sexuality and like family dynamic with that. And mm. so I felt like um, just a little confused about what the next step was. Mm-hmm. So I was living in my studio for like about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that sucked because you're living in a studio with no windows. Did you have, is there like a bathroom there and a shower and there stuff? There was a bathroom. <laughs> there was no shower. Ugh. So I had shower at the gym or like my girlfriend's house at the time. Yeah. Or whoever, dude. I was just living in my car and like my studio. It was, it was like not fun. How big was the studio? Not big, but there was like a loft on top. So yeah. I just fucking converted that shit to like my bedroom. Okay. And it was good. Living in a loft in a studio sounds kind of like romantic. You know what I mean? Like that sounds yeah. like what a movie would be written about. I mean, it was romantic sometimes, but then there was this dude. I mean, there were so many guys in and out of that place that. We're working all night. So I'd, I'd try to sleep through the night, and then I'd get woken up by, like, the loudest bass in the world just shaking my walls. Wow. It was kind of freaky. And then there'd be, like, weird drug stuff and, like, people, you know, you know mm-hmm. how spaces are yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so too many people had the keys, it sounds like. Yeah, because we had one lockout in the in the building. Oh, okay. So there were a lot of people coming in now, and they didn't know. Obviously, you're not allowed to sleep there. Sleep there, right. Or live there. <laughs> right. So I just kind of— Played it low-key. Yeah. So what starts happening with the family? You talk about you were having some family issues. Yeah, just, you know, like health stuff with people. I had some health issues, um, got really sick for a while. Just weird shit, dude. Honestly, I think it was more just like emotional, uh, you know, toxic things coming out. And then my sexuality like you know my family i come from like more of a catholic family right so are your folks kind of conservative to an extent um in some ways but like in other ways not so it's just like confusing right but i just didn't feel like i didn't feel like as welcome like coming home being like out or like it just wasn't appropriate right you know as a cisgender white male i try (laughs) to like talk about people's sexuality very sensitively and, and like not make any assumptions or or judgments or whatever so like yeah when i heard your new single it was premiered in out magazine yeah right (laughs) knowing that sexuality and gender are not um binary i'm trying to learn all of these things as a fucking normcore ass dude but (laughs) knowing that there are different levels and spectrums of the whole shit like i don't know what it means to premiere a song in out magazine in your song blinders that i think you're gonna perform later you talk about sometimes uh being attracted to women and i think sometimes being attracted to men yeah. so am i to assume that means bisexual or I just do you like label people, it dude. okay people yeah. okay so there you go that, yeah. that was my question i didn't know how to word it properly yeah so when your parents find this out they're upset about it i mean they knew for, like i i've been dating you know women for a long time but yeah. just bothered by it or like surprised or like didn't think I was I don't know it's weird yeah. it was just weird I didn't feel comfortable being closer close to them yeah and so 
you know, I'm, I have a great relationship with my parents right now, but mm-hmm. I just know when to. Had you like brought women home and they were awkward about it or yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah kind yeah, of. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't like smooth. <laughs> right. And, and so do you think that lack of smoothness like <laughs> hurt you more or hurt them more? Honestly, well, for my dad wasn't really involved with any of this, but because um, dad, dad probably dad didn't, he, he you didn't know give how dads a shit. Are, dude. Yeah. They're in their own world. He's like, hey, but, <laughs> good job. She's <laughs> she looks fantastic. <laughs> no, um, it hurt me a lot. It yeah. still hurts to be yeah. honest. Yeah. But you have to figure out what you keep to yourself and what you don't. And I have a girlfriend now that I love, and my mom like loves her too. Yeah. You know, so it might have been the people I was dating that kind of put out a bad, bad vibe to me. Will your mom with. listen to this? No. Okay. Does your mom ever say weird shit now? Kind of like, oh, you're a friend rather um, than like your significant other or something? I always just say she's my friend. Yeah. To make it. But they're, I mean, she's my fucking girlfriend. Right. And they know it. And they're, they love her. She's like awesome. Yeah. Um, But I don't know, dude. It's weird. Like, it's just, and I also like, I'm respectful just with my sex life in general. I mean, I feel like everyone is like, has a weird thing with like talking about their sex life with their parents. So you just don't, you know, and my music, it took me a long time to be very honest and even with myself. So I'd rather just do that in my own space and not have to like bring it to like my family and like, who cares? Like let them be peaceful, live their life. I need to do the same. So I just realized that like, some things you just keep to yourself and you don't have to, you know, play everything for your mom. <laughs> right. Totally. So the name change and the kind of I, I, it's so tacky to call it a rebrand, but I mean, no, in a mo- for sure. you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Like the name change and the kind of like um, reassessment of where your creativity was going and and. Um, was that a step forward in becoming more um, comfortable in your skin? Yeah, I think, you know, it's like a long time coming. I should have done this shit a while ago, but I also probably didn't have the maturity level to do it. So everything Well, and when you're younger, you're trying to be everything to everybody, I think, right? Maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But um, I just like one day I'm going to die. And so I feel like I need to be as honest as I can with myself at Mm -hmm. least. And Mm so, yeah. Was there like an epiphany or a rock bottom moment that that, uh, brought you a moment of clarity? I'd say that year where I was just by, I was so alone, dude. It was yeah. like dark shit. Like it was to the point where I was like, I'm not going to do music anymore. Fuck this shit. Really? Yeah. But then I realized like, I don't need to take it so seriously, you know? And so blinders was something that I made for fun. I don't, didn't even think anyone was going to hear it. To be That's kind of how the best songs happen is like when you're like, ah, oh, this is whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is like, I'm just going to do this to get it out of my head, but it's like, whatever, nobody's going to like it. And then you're like, what the fuck? Everybody, yeah. everybody loves it. And I, for me, I was just like, I'm just going to say whatever comes to my mind, yeah. like as a, like almost like an experiment. Yeah. And I did and I, and I liked it and no one heard it for like a year and then they liked it when they did. <laughs> were you already with the girl that you're with now when you were going through that or did she, was she part of like your renaissance as well or like um, her and regathering? I have been like on and off for three years. So definitely at that time we were not together. Right. But she's like, you know, my ride or die. Totally. <laughs> been around. I've had like many lovers in between, but right now we're like a thing. Don't snitch on yourself. <laughs> she might she listen knows, to this. Dude, she knows. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> That's funny. The new EP, were you kind of like by yourself recording this whole thing? Was it super personal? 
Um, it was very personal. Yeah. But I linked up with Taylor Dexter who um, and Roger, who yeah. were the producers on Blinders. Uh-huh. And just came very organically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also put out a song with G-Eazy. Yeah. In August. That kind of like premiered the whole name change and things like that. Was that part of the the like top line producer things? Yeah. Yeah. So he liked one of your hooks and was like, oh, yeah. rap on this. Yeah. I had written one for him for his last album. It didn't yeah. make the album, but it came out as like a random B-side. So this is round two. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How, how does that work? Did you guys like then work on it together at all? Or is it just kind of like an email thing back and forth? Um, he... Yeah, the producer that works with him a lot had called me and Jono, who's like also producing my stuff now. Um, yeah. And he he played it for him. It just was kind of like serendipitous, like the way it all went down. Right. Um, and that's, I feel like it's always like that. Like I I had written that hook literally like a few days before they were supposed to meet with him. And right. they were like, oh, we just had this thing. Do you yeah. want to hear it? Right. And he fucked with it the most. And so it stuck. That's perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm sure that was like, we're not, you know, you don't need to shake your head or nod to this, but I'm sure that was a pretty little check. And so, because <laughs> g is out here making that cash. Uh, anyhow, at the writing process for the new EP, did it feel like weight's being taken off your shoulder? Like, as you're, like, giving yourself less pressure to be everything to everybody and just allowing yourself to, like, kind of be you? Dude, it feels fucking amazing. Right. It really does. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel, like, great. I feel like everything makes sense now, you right. know? Right. And I don't know, you just get to a certain point where you're just like, fuck it. Who cares? I'm right. just going to like do it, you know? I like that. Yeah. A couple of years ago when I hit you up to do this show, do you remember what you asked me? No, I don't. You texted me and you said, if I do the performance, can I wear a mask? You yeah, remember? yeah. And yeah. I was kind of like... Uh, I was like, I mean, you could do what you want, right, but like right, right. the mask thing doesn't... I mean, I don't know. It, right. To me... An outsider that had never met you, you know, just outside looking in, I was like, oh, this is a girl who's not comfortable with her artistry yet. You know what I mean? Which I looked at kind of as like a shame because I was like, oh, what I've heard from her is like so clearly um, focused and talented and, and good. Right. And, like, why does she want to wear a mask? You feel me? Like, yeah. what, what what's going on here? I'd never seen a picture of you, nothing. Like, right. So, you, it, like, yeah, you were clearly, like, trying to hide something back then. Yeah, I feel like because I came from drums, right? I, like, wasn't really used to being out. And, and I'm still pretty shy about certain things. Yeah. But, um, but what were you trying to hide? What were you, what were you scared my, of? I think La Femra was supposed to be what Femme is. Uh-huh. But it never got there. Explain. So just sexuality wise, all yeah. the fucking, the real shit, you know? Yeah. Like it never could get there because I was just too afraid at the time yeah. to be real. Mm-hmm. And so. Why? Um, judgment from people, like insecurities about, yeah, I think mostly just like every, every artist deals with like, what are they going to think? Right. Yeah. Like what will, will they like it? Will they not? But like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Right. Well, see, I think so many young artists head into those doubts with such hubris of like and a lack of self-awareness where they're like, this shit is dope. I don't care. Like, Mm. I'm already I'm the shit. Da, 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 da. You know what I mean? Like uh, people need to hear this because I'm important. Whereas like it takes um, a certain type to be like. I have this urge and this need to make music, but I'm, like, scared of what people will think about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like most artistry is so selfish and greedy. Like, people are like, I'm making this thing. Look at it. I don't care if it's bad. Look at it. You know? I've never been like that, Mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. I've always had a hard time, like, repping myself, you know? Mm -hmm. 
But that's why I think if you make music, sometimes it just does the job for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It should, right? Yeah. What other steps have you been taking to feel more comfortable in your own skin? Um, I guess just like saying, you know, what's on your mind. <laughs> right. Especially with writing music. Like I never overthink lyrics now. I just say what I need to say. Yeah. And um, I feel pretty good, man. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you feel pretty good. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I was a little scared. This is like me breaking the fourth wall, maybe, or like two inside baseball. But sometimes we get these art, we get artists in here that are like still guarded yeah. and are like concerned and scared about how they're going to be perceived. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so they say, like, Oh, you know, like, could we do this or could we do that? Or like, you know, like our, our format on kind of need is like very fucking one dimensional. We got the podcast and the podcast is pretty much always the same. It's just me having a conversation right. with somebody. And then the performances are like definitely uniform and all the same. And then I get people asking for like weird requests sometimes. And I'm like, why? Like you see what everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, ha our last experience like, a couple years ago, I was like, oh, man, I hope that there's no, like, I hope she's not, like, timid or shy or anything. And, like, to be honest, coming in, I, I don't feel any of that. I don't feel any of, like, any weird vibes. Good. And so that makes me feel happy. I'm a sane person I was, for the most part. <laughs> that's fine. You're doing a good job hiding it. <laughs> Since moving out of the studio that you were living in, the loft, mm -hmm. How did you get out of there? I think my girlfriend was like, all right, dude, this is stupid. Yeah. She like forgot about all your multitudes of lovers in yeah, between. Dude, it was so like, forgiving. I, I forgive I you for so much. Yeah. It's crazy. She like saved you or like, here, move in with me. Yeah. Yeah. Behind every man is a woman. There you go. The guy behind <laughs> the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I do believe that though. Behind every great artist is like a lover that's like. I mean, look Amused. at Pharrell, look at Kendrick, like all these fucking people, dude, have like their ride or dies, right? Wait, who's Pharrell's? <laughs> Pharrell. Wait, no, I know who Pharrell uh, is. I'm saying who is Pharrell's ride or die? His I've always wife, right? I have no idea. Oh. I, you know what? I've always looked at Pharrell as kind of like this asexual being. Like, Probably. You know what I'm saying? I've never, I've never thought about like him having a significant other or, or like being a womanizer or anything. I'm just totally. Kinda like, no, you're right. He's he has this like kind of weird alien vibe to me that's like super futuristic. Totally. Anyway, I'm sure he has a ride or die. <laughs> he does. I think everyone kind of secretly does. But um, yeah, I got out of it, and then yeah. Femme started becoming like a thing, and a lot of people were approaching me and being like, dude. Come on. Come back. Come back. Like, do this. You can do it by yourself, you know, if it's not working with the band. Yeah. Like, people, like, man, never underestimate, like, the universe speaking through people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, when you're, like, at, at your lowest and your darkest, like, just pay attention to, like, random people and what they say to you. Because I feel like they're sending you messages, kind of. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you read? Yeah. What, what kind of stuff do you read? Um... I like to read a lot of, like, Emerson, um, Rilke, Letters to a Young Poet, which is, like, everyone's favorite, I think. And then lots of, like, philosophical shit. Yeah. Like what? Um, Not to put you on the spot. I'm trying to think who I've been... I mean, I've been I've revisited um, Emerson's self-reliance uh, essay recently. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar. What does it talk about? talks about relying on yourself yeah. yeah it talks about just um basically uh, there's many great men out there and 
messages that come through them that are from like, I don't know, the universe. And yeah. Basically not filtering things too much. Uh-huh. Trusting your instinct. Right. Like your I'm, intuition, if there, you will. Yeah. There you go. There's like <laughs> one line or like a passage where he's talking about like it's easy to watch someone else do something and be like, man, I had that idea. Right. I should have done that. Yeah. But the like, reason it's art is because you didn't. Right. Like yeah. why didn't, well, yeah, you're looking at it now as something amazing, but yeah. like you had it, you know? Right. So that's been great. And then also there's, yeah, there's a few other things. Do you feel like you're going through this like new lease on life right now or what? Hell yeah. Yeah. Have you dealt with depression your whole life? Always. Yeah. Always when, been. When did you start becoming cognizant of your depression? Like when did depression as an emotion or as a feeling start like making sense or, or striking a nerve with you? I mean, my mom had me in therapy really young. How young? Mm, middle school, I'd say. I mean, that's kind of amazing. I don't know. Like, to me, yeah. that's tight. I wish I would have gone to therapy in middle school. I don't know, man. I don't know. If Do you feel thing. like it was self-perpetuating? Like, oh, I'm in therapy, so something must be wrong with me, and then it made it worse? Maybe. I w- she always told me I was a very depressed kid from a very young age. Mm. Um, and I am still, but you have to learn how to, like know what to do with it you know? yeah so um in this time where i feel like you're going through a lighter phase of your life or a brighter phase of your life maybe uh what kind of new coping mechanisms have you developed um writing is very helpful like yeah. having music you know because yeah. you're like okay i feel so much of this like intensity and then you can channel it into like a song and then also realizing like yeah you can get like a really tight hook on a song and be like high for two days totally. but it's gonna go away yeah yeah. so it's like what you're gonna like live your life for those highs right and like especially nowadays i feel like everyone's just like partying and like everything's at 100 all the time yeah but that's not real right so reminding yourself like when like a christmas day type of feeling comes like it's not gonna last and, right and so maybe just being like having an equilibrium like within yourself and not being too excited or not. Well, so do you deal with bouts of like manicness maybe that like where like you used to like feel these totally. extreme highs and extreme lows? I feel like I was that way as a kid too. And my whole adult life has been concentrated on rather than having the waves of up and down, trying to like find a way to kind of always be yeah. just above or below regular. You know what I mean? Like I recognize moments of happiness as fleeting, you know, right. fleeting moments of happiness true happiness i don't think really exists you just have like totally normalcy and then like something that will make you smile but the, what i've really tried to regulate is like those deep downs i try to just keep them like right below yeah that normal line you know i think that's important yeah 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 dude like i don't know do you ever take meds for your depression never yeah me neither a lot of people in my life do take them and are very successful with them but i'm scared of it for some reason yeah, I decided I didn't want to. Yeah. So. The first time I ever went to a, a psychologist, instantly after the first session, she's like, you'd be a great candidate for <laughs> antidepressants. And I'm like, I don't, I, that's great, like, but I don't really want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're an artist, dude. You need that shit. You Supposedly. That <laughs> See, again, though, that's like that romanticism of artistry. Right. You right. know what I mean? And I don't know. The older I get, the more I wonder, like, should I get on these myths? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Why is this becoming about me? I have no <laughs> they idea. They help some people, really, though. It does. Um, what else is going on in your life, then? Um, 
I mean, I'm like getting ready to drop some more singles. Yeah. I've been working with some really cool people. Yeah. Can you talk about any of that or is that under wraps right now? Uh, under wraps. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah. That's good. And I would imagine you got people in your corner that are like trying to push the femme brand. Like you got, do you have all your like um, ends tied up with PR and all that stuff? Somewhat. I'm like very um, self sufficient. I think self-sufficiency is important. Yeah. I don't think it's safe to trust what these PR people tell it. Mm. I, don't, I, don't tr- I don't trust them. But shout out to all you PR people yeah. that send emails and everything, but I don't trust y'all. I have a good crew in my corner. Are, la- a- are labels starting to come knocking? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. For a long time now or what? Well, Femme is very young. Yeah. La Femme, yeah, there was some fucking bullshit run around. You know how they are. Right. But Femme, yeah, it's hot. Already? <laughs> yeah. That's good. It's cool. I don't know. I don't need like, I don't necessarily need that right now. Right. So we're going to ride it out as long as we can. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I could see you doing more of like a publishing thing than an actual record deal. Record Labels deals are, are outdated, dude. They're, so, they're dumb. They're lame. Agreed. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I How many older, brothers and sisters? I have one older brother. Oh, you have one older brother. We're, How m- we're very different. Though. How much older is he? Three years. And so when you say very different, I would imagine he um, rebelled against your artistic parents and wanted to become like a fucking neuropsychologist or something? Not quite. I mean, just like work ethic wise. He's a chiller. I'm like a hustler. I'm really? like always working. Well, yeah. What's he, what did he get into? Um, He's in real estate. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good job. I mean, that's yeah. like there's a solid future in the real estate industry in L.A., I would say. Yeah, he's he's cool. Yeah, but he's know? like normal and you're like out here with green hair and shit. <laughs> he's not normal. I guess we're just different. He's like re- he was like the, the star smart child. And I was like the weirdo like drum you know. player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are your folks up to now? Did your did did your dad ever have to like get a regular job or he's just been a, a gigger the whole he, time? He did. Yeah, he had a regular job. Um parents are you know they're doing their thing yeah right have you gone to travel mm-hmm. where, where have you been i went to brazil in december i play drums sometimes i sub on drums for this band deep valley they're like a rock and roll band two girls yo i've um photographed deep valley at a really? show one time yeah they played some skull candy gig and i okay and um i think it was downtown last year and Tight. i and i shot it they're cool yeah yeah. I mean, they're old friends, so um, they'll have me sub because Julie had a, has a baby now. Yeah. So I did the Peaches tour. I've done the Wolf Mother tour. Brazil, and Br- we went to Brazil in December. That was tight. So did you play any bossa nova while you were in Brazil? No, we went and like saw some Brazilian music, and that was amazing. Yeah. Right. But. So you've toured with bands that you are like just kind of sub in for sometimes. Not so much anymore. Just yeah. like, I mean, if I get to go to Brazil, I'm down for like a week or so. Oh, that's, it was just like a but, little week run. Yeah. Um, but I try to say no to stuff like that now. Really? But before, yeah, I would do tours and such. Yeah, right. Where else have you been besides Brazil? France, I've been like Europe, you know, uh, Mexico, Canada, yeah. all sorts of Sick. Spots, But never for femme. You think, you think <laughs> LA is like your home forever? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's hard to leave, you know? It is. Once you're here, it is hard to leave. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Femme. Yeah. Where can the people find you online? Mm-hmm. So all, everything is Femme forever, but ever is E-V-R and the number four. So it's 
at P-H-E-M, the number number four, E-V-R, on Twitter, SoundCloud, Instagram, email at Gmail. (laughs) You can email her. Snapchat? Snapchat? (laughs) Do people still do Snapchat? Dude, Snapchat's so lame. I never check it, but yeah, on Snapchat too. I deleted it a long time ago. It's so lame. Yeah. Uh, And once Instagram got the stories, what's the point? Yeah. You're on Spotify as well. Yes. P-H-E-M, right? Mm -hmm. Mad songs. A few songs. Good, yeah, good spectrum of things. <laughs> a spectrum. Back to the spectrum. Um, okay, and then what do you have upcoming that you can talk about? Anything um, to promote other than the new? I'm going to be, um, perf- I mean, yeah, getting the live set together, performing at like a Dance Yourself Clean in April. Nice. Which is like at the satellite. I, am not, I haven't played a show as femme yet. You haven't played a show as femme no. yet. What's the show so, going to look like? Um, I'm definitely going to have some live people. We're figuring it out. But I just want you to know that this is the first ever live performance of Blinders ever. <laughs> so that oh, in that. here. Yeah. You heard it here so first. So rest day. I'm not rest I'll day. T- I mean, the, okay, so here's the thing. The minute that I heard that song, Blinders, I was like, whoa, this is really dope. And then I was like, hmm, something sounds vaguely familiar. And then I went, wait a second, La Femra, Femme is part of La Femra. I'm like, I think I know who this person is. <laughs> And I started texting my friends like, uh, actually, I think I texted Greg yeah. uh, and I was like, yo, is that, is this her? Yeah. He's like, that is her. And so anyway. Shout out to Dream Panther. Shout out Dream Love Panther. That fool. My point is, is that like blinders is mad undeniable. And I hope that this video gets a gazillion views because I just think the song is so great. Thank you. I th- really think you're onto something, and I'm looking forward to hearing more of it. Appreciate you. Most definitely. So that said, guys, go to youtube.com slash kind of neat where you are going to see Femme perform Blinders. You guys know what the fuck it is. My name is Lee. Some of you might know me as Intuition. You can follow me at It's Intuition. You can follow my man, Ben Shin, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Kinda Neat to help us keep the lights on. You can pledge $1 per episode. It's about a dollar a month. Maybe if we're really hustling, it'll be $4 a month, but... You know, the reason I do the Patreon shit, you guys want to know a motherfucking statistic that I read? You will like the statistic. You can be in the top 3% of all YouTube channels, right? Top 3%. There are billions of YouTube channels. You can be in the top 3% of them, be making like millions of streams per month, right? And live below the poverty line because YouTube don't pay nobody anything. So that said... We don't make nothing off YouTube. All these songs are copyrighted to the artists anyway. So go hit that Patreon because you motherfuckers love us and we love you back. Okay, that said, I think we came what we did. We came and did what we came to do. <laughs> that was barely English, but it almost passed. My name is Lee. That was Femme. And this was Kinda Neat. Kinda Neat.